Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day. Stay at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm in great form this week for footballing reasons. Joining me is someone who is not in such good form, Vito Doria. Vito, thanks for joining us, all things considered. Yes, um, let's just say I'm not in the best mood on the basis of this weekend's results, but I think with a new look, new look pod, I'm still looking forward to it. So, yeah, let's get straight into it. Yeah, we, we do have a big team this week. Um, someone else who's usually in good form but might not be this week because of a, a humiliating defeat down near the bottom of the Zaria table is Sonia Missio. Sonia, first time on the podcast in about five years. Welcome back. Thank you. I missed it dearly, but I still listen every week, so it's like I'm here with you. Okay. Um, I, I don't know what to say to that, but I'm expecting you to put me in that position a few more times throughout tonight's recording and someone else to join me in being happy tonight is Katarina Mira. Kat, welcome back. It's been far too long since we heard from you. Thank you, Connor. Thanks. I'm really, really happy to, to be back now. <laughs> I'm sure you are. After, excited about tonight. Yeah. After a couple of weeks of not being too happy, but I suppose, guys, let's start with Spal Juventus. It was scoreless in Ferrara against all odds. We've kind of looked ahead at the fixtures to come between now and the end of the season. And this is not somewhere that we saw Juve dropping points. But Vito, this is proof of what we have said in the last couple of weeks, that they're not invincible. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, the spell coach, Leonardo Semplici, provided a really great um, tactical setup. It was set up to nullify Juventus, and they did that successfully. Looking at the midfield, it was probably more destructive than creative because Federico Viviani did not play any time in that game. But I reckon the priority was just to start for you and get the points. And I thought that when it came to the defensive aspects of the game, Spal were 
It was fantastic. That back three of Chonik, Vickery and Felipe was superb. The goalkeeper, Alex Merritt, didn't have to make many saves, but he did what he needed to do when necessary. And one of the fullbacks, Filippo Costa, I thought he had a great game tracking back. Yeah, well, me and you spoke briefly after this, and the first question you asked me before you had seen the game was if Merritt had had a good game, which you would have expected him to need to, but Spal were just so solid in front of him that he, he wasn't even called into action all that much, which I thought was... Astonishing, but Kat, the title race is very much back on, and Juve still have some tough games ahead of them. They've got Roma, Napoli, Inter, and I, I think they play Milan as well. So you've got to be looking at this and thinking that Juventus are going to drop a few more points before the end of the season. I hope so, <laughs> but yeah, they. Uh, I don't know. Now that the race is still open, so they need to play the last games. I think the last three games against Roma and then Inter as well. And then also Benevento and Crotone, that they need points. So not probably Benevento now, but Crotone, they they need points. So uh, the race is open. They need to be careful. And there is also the Champions League. We we kind of forget that they're going to, to play against Real Madrid in three weeks. So it will be really, really tough. For them, but um, Juventus has the mentality to do that. So also Napoli need to be careful and try to play every game as a final. Yeah, they do have to. Um, but we will talk about Napoli in a little bit. Sonia, what do you make of the title race then? Juve are in a position where they do have to compete on multiple fronts, which no one else does have to do, but they are probably the one team that are able to do it. Um, will playing in the Champions League even affect them that much? We've seen them in Serie A before, playing the second-string team and still just grinding out those results. I think, speaking as a neutral, and neutral being as you know, a fan of a team that will never, ever be up for this Gudato, <laughs> um, that it's, it's interesting to watch. And I know that everyone who's not a Juventini is you know, behind Napoli and really hoping that they come up. But unfortunately, I think that Juventus have shown that Champions League isn't the distraction that other Italian clubs make it out to be, or whether it's Champions League or whether it's Europa. And I think that if they have their mindset to it and they know that Napoli has had that comeback, they're going to be able to push forward and do maybe well in Champions League. I'm not really sure where I'm I'm putting my money on that yet, but I think they are going to fight for the Scudato this year. And it's more than any other year because the race is so close and it hasn't been quite as close and quite as you know forceful as it has been in the last few years. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. CM Fox has come <laughs> blazing into the comments and his comments are always worth reading. So I'm going to throw this over to someone else so I can have a chance to see what he's saying. Vito, title race is back on. Juve, Real Madrid, do you think they can go through in the Champions League and still go in Serie A? <clears throat> well, it's going to be tough because Real Madrid just thrashed Girona 6-3. So Real Madrid, although they've shown signs of decline this season, um, Juve are going to have a huge challenge ahead of them. But I would not write Juve off just as yet. But um, I'm going to be a bit pessimistic and say... Juventus's run might end there, and unfortunately for Napoli, I think um, it looks like Juventus will win that seven score death to in a row. But I really hope I'm proven wrong. 
Guys, CM Fox has been out today buying a pram for his twins, which apparently set him back 1,700 euro. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of twins you're carrying around, but surely you could have found a cheaper option than that. But CM Fox, we'll get to you later because don't even think for a minute that I'm letting that match go by without being mentioned. We're going to come to Atalanta Verona probably towards the end of the podcast. Um, Napoli then did take advantage, for once we can say that, of Juve slipping up. But throughout this game, Kat, I'm sure you'll have better insight to this than me. It just seemed like the pressure was a little bit too much for them. And it wasn't the Napoli we've all known to fall in love with this season. It took a set-piece goal for El Albiol to break the deadlock, which Napoli are probably the last team that you would expect to rely on that. Is there almost too much pressure on this team from the whole city for them to go on and win the Scudetto? I don't think it's the problem of the city or something like that. Uh, maybe also the media staff. And I think that after you win a lot of games, also the Roma one, it, it could happen. We are not robots and hopefully have good play. And also every um, all the 11, they're still playing since the beginning. And we cannot forget that we started to in July because it was the the Champions League, uh, also um, for the stages in the Champions League. So <clears throat> it's not easy now. And in this game against Genoa, we I don't know. I felt a lot of pressure, and also they were playing with nervous, intense, and. And so um, these are huge three points for, for, for them and everything is open now. We need to have a lot of patience and also they, I, I appreciated that they put a lot, lot of the energy until the end of the game. We didn't play really, really well uh, as usual, but the energy they pull, uh, I appreciate that and they believe it and, and so I'll be all finally made, made the goal. We also had 16 shots on target, uh, hit two posts, so it's not a beautiful game, <laughs> the, the best one of the season, but we made probably a little bit of Juventus could, could make in these games, you know? Uh, winning with the energy, with mentality, and not showing a, a beautiful, beautiful way of playing. But it's still... Yeah, it, all, it almost was a Juventus-type win in that Napoli did look frustrated. They did hit the post a few times. And on another day, they probably could have been 3-0 up before they finally did get that goal because Mertens should have scored very early on. If that goes in, who knows how the game goes, really. Vito, what do you think? The, the title is in their hands now. If they win all of their nine games between now and the end of the season, they're champions. They still have to go to Turin. But as we said... We can't really see Juve going between now and the end of the season and not dropping any more points. How many slip-ups can Napoli afford between now and then and still be crowned champions? Well, with uh, Napoli, to be honest, they've got to be almost flawless to win the Scudetto at this stage because it's very hard for Juve to slip up anywhere, although they have to play against... Um, um, Napoli and both of the Milanese clubs, um, I can't see them, you know, throwing those points away. Whereas with Napoli, there's probably a good chance that they might slip up against 
Milan and you will be in their clashes. So um, to finish the season off, I think it would require them to play above themselves once again. And also uh, there's been a lot of criticism about the depth and squad rotation. I think um, it's up to the bench players to really sort of step up and say, Sarri, you've been ignoring us for too long. We'll show you what you're made of. I think they've got to instill that mindset into themselves as well just to give the team some extra edge. I would agree. Aaron Holland comes in the comments and says they're allowed one draw. And I'm worrying, wondering if that includes the Juventus game because if not, I don't see them only dropping points in one more match between now and the end of the season. Sonia, Eric Millick is back. He's been kind of coming on as a sub here and there in recent weeks. But tonight he looked like he was just kind of getting in the way of things which is kind of understandable given how long he's been injured for over the last two years. Um, how important is it for him to kind of get back on his feet as soon as possible? Because there are going to be these games where they're just not clicking and they need it, something of a plan B. Um, how big of a role has Milik got to play in this title race? A massive role. I mean, you kind of need that. Um, you need that that reliability, which I don't think we saw a lot today. It was more that all these great sort of singular plays were happening on and they weren't really meshing as a team, or at least that's what I found when I was watching the game. And you had these sort of moments of greatness and then part B, part C, part D didn't really click. So I think if the team can get back in a form and that includes pulling people back from injury and making sure that it's a full packed on squad, that's going to really, really help. But, I mean, you can't really, and every team has this, you can't really depend on that one player because as soon as you kind of lose that set piece, everything goes to hell. And the thing that you see with Napoli a lot of the times is that they do really, really well and all of a sudden go on that decline. So I think putting the squad back together and making sure that all players are being used and utilized for the capacity is what's going to really get them through this last bit of the season. I'm intrigued about what happens with this Napoli team after this season, irrespective of whether they win the league or not, because... From the outside, it seems like they're going to lose a lot of their players. Mertens has that really low release clause. Reina looks like he could be off. Kat, are you kind of worried about what happens next season? Mm. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, not only Mertens, maybe yeah, Reina for sure is going to leave. And there were rumors about Insigne, but I don't think so. Um, it depends. It depends also how sorry <laughs> if he's staying or not. Because if he's probably gonna win the league, I don't know. I have the feeling he will left, and so it, it will depend also about the club what they want to do. And it's important now only to to, <laughs> to focus on the season and then leave the all the thing. To, to June and thinking about in the in the summer and let's see what happens really don't know now yeah it's, it's hard to tell looking forward to it CM yeah. Fox yes Lazio did end one each but Kat, I, I will stick with you because it's kind of good to get a Napoli fan's perspective on this because we've been kind of trying to put our ourselves in those shoes for so much of this season we kind of agreed on here that it was a good thing or a, a not a bad idea for them to write off the other competitions so they could focus on the Scudetto. Were you happy for them to do that? Or did you always kind of think that they might live to regret it? <laughs> we will see if we're going to regret it in May. Yeah. But no, I was not really happy about the, the attitude, especially for 
um, for the Coppa Italia. Uh, because I can see that maybe uh, in the Europa League and the Champions League last year, for example, we made a great, great Champions League race uh, and then pick up the Real Madrid and, <laughs> and we know, everybody knows how it, how it's ended. But for the Europa League as well, it could be a, a great challenge for us. But the thing is that we didn't have the, the right players probably a second team chosen to to line up or is Sarri as well it's a little bit focused on that 11 and with with this 11 he would like to build one team a great team and that could race for a title only one we didn't have the the players of Juventus and probably I was not happy because it's it's an opportunity. We have seen, for example, Manchester United last year made great in coming back and win the Europa League or the Sevilla in, in the past years as well. And it could be a great opportunity. And so I was not really, really happy, especially on the first leg against Lipsia. Uh, but that's it. It's a choice that... A manager probably will do. I didn't understand the first leg, and then on the second leg with Lipsia, you will line up all the eleven, and <laughs> I didn't really understand that. So I hoped that probably he would go for 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 go uh, for the Europa League again, but it was too late probably. And I was, yeah, a little bit strange about the Coppa Italia because it's something that for for Italians it's it's important. Uh, we have seen also Napoli in the past years won won the won the the Coppa for yeah twice, and it could be a great a great opportunity. But let's see, let's see May how it happens, uh, and we will see if Sarri is right or wrong. Yeah. yeah, I suppose we do decide kind of have to sit and wait for now. But um, getting knocked out of Europe was one thing. They kind of just wrote that off. But I suppose anyone could get knocked out to a, a brilliant Italian side in the Coppa Italia like Napoli did against Atalanta. Uh, we're going to move on now to Sampdoria nil, Inter 5. Vito, you might want to take a couple of deep breaths here before we get on to Samp. But Sonia, Inter are actually able to score goals when they try to. I, I wasn't too sure they were. What did you make of this game? It was a fun game. Again, as a neutral who doesn't have any stake in it, it's a lot of fun to watch. And it's fun to watch a team come together and, sorry Vito, but kind of demolish a run over another team because they're being able to play so well and with so much flair and just being able to get out there. Um, Inter is one of those teams that drive me crazy because – when you expect so much for them, or you expect that it's going to be a good game, they never deliver. And something like that, which is just a throwaway game on the weekend that I wasn't even going to watch, it becomes the sort of masterclass. And you remember that this was a team, you know, that won the treble, that that had this greatness behind them. Why can't they do this every week? Yeah, why can't they do this every week indeed? But it, it did seem to be a, a bit of a reactionary performance because... Luciano Spalletti came out in midweek and was quite critical of his players. He singled out even Perisic and said that he could be amazing if he was consistent, which is a strange approach to take. And then his words after today's game were even more curious for me. He said that 
the only thing that complements guarantee is failure and he doesn't know how to guarantee success and I kind of thought that it's not the time you've just beaten a team who are one of the best in Serie A at home 5-0 and you're still doubling down on your criticisms of your players Cat, we saw Mauro Icardi back at his best he was it's fair to say he was on just a completely different level today and are he and Perisic and the rest of them except for Kondreva, coming into form at just the right time for Inter? Yeah. Yeah, of course, Icardi is a top player and he made today 101 goal in Serie A. Today. Yeah, he got 100 at some point. And, and all the, the the goal with the, yeah, the back heel goal was amazing. <laughs> it was really, really good. And I thought also with Nick, he was so happy about it. And it was a huge win for, for Dino Azzurri and it could give also the, the right confidence right now for, for the race, um, getting in the Champions League, especially against uh, AC Milan. And Paris' reaction also was so important. And we can see that every time Paris scores, Inter win a game. And, and yeah, Rafinha as well. And Candreva made a really, really good, good game today. Yeah, we, we've been quite harsh on Candreva. And it's been easy to be critical of him this season, given that he hasn't scored a goal in, what, over a year now. But he does deserve credit for today because I thought he was quite good and he had that chance to score late on and he made an absolute mess of it, which I, I still got a bit of a laugh out of Vito don't go off on one just yet because we will get to Samp but we want to stick with Inter for now you'll get your 10-15 minutes on Samp in a second and we can all go have a cup of tea but Rafinha was brilliant in midfield he completely dominated it is he the creative player that Inter need we've me and you tend to agree all season that they need that number 10 but can Rafinha do that from a load of different positions, or do they still need to lock down that traditional trequartista? Inter, I still believe, need the traditional trequartista, but based on what we saw against Samp, that he actually had a good game. It was helpful that what he had in front of him, they did. there wasn't much um, opposition there. He had a lot of space to work with, and Inter were dangerous on the counter, but... Uh, I think the midfield setup was right. And uh, Spalletti's choice in personnel with Gagliardini as a holding midfielder, Brozovic being that workhorse midfielder, I think that worked a lot in uh, Rafinha's favour. So it was easier for him to also you know, make those passes to Kandreva, Perisic and Icardi. Yeah, well, look, as things stand, it's Juve Napoli top two, Roma third on 59 points, Inter fourth on 54 they do have a game in hand on Lazio, who are still behind them. Um, or Inter on 55, sorry, Lazio are in 5th and 54. Sonia, are Inter now favourites to get that final Champions League spot ahead of the Bianco Celesti? I think so. Um, if they continue playing on sort of this uprise that they've been through the last you know, few weeks or whatnot, um, I, yeah, I think so. I, I I think part of the reason that they had such a slow start of the season really had a lot of people writing them off. Whereas now that they kind of are a team to compete with, and they're one of those teams every week that you're 100% not sure what they're going to do. But in the long run, they do have that sort of dependability. So I would definitely see them as a Champions League spot, or at least, at the very least, somebody who you really have to worry will get that final spot. 
I'll stick with you. What do you think of um, Spalletti's motivational tactics? Then I kind of referred to them earlier on. He's a bit overly critical, isn't he? I mean, it's at risk of completely alienating his players if he keeps this up for too long. It's tough love. I don't know. He kind of reminds me of my own father. We're like kind of put the fear in God and take this Machiavellian approach to your team. Um, I don't know. I don't mind it. That's probably not healthy in any sort of way, but you kind of start resting on your laurels if, if you're not getting that push. And if you have a coach that says, you know, a win is good enough, it's, it's not enough. You need the next one and you need to focus and you can celebrate for two minutes, but then you have to move on to the next one. So I don't actually mind the tough love that much. All right. Fair enough. Fido, it's, it's your time. Um, Sonia and Kat, you could probably just leave now because I don't know how much longer we're going to get out of this after Vito goes off on one. But Vito, I came on here and I was going to say that Samp were awful and played exactly into Inter's hands, but awful is probably generous, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you can find many adjectives to describe Samp's performance. They were insipid, pathetic, despicable and weak. We have played some excellent football, especially in the first half of the season, and we have been a great cohesive unit. But it's come to the point that perhaps uh, we might be tiring at this stage, but at the same time, I reckon motivation levels could have been a lot better and there should have been a lot more desire to stifle winter. There was no cohesion, no fluidity, no fighting spirit, no desire to fight, to battle or to change things. They were just so either afraid or unmotivated and it was genuine defensive suicide. They need a big reaction against Kiev after the international break and that might require dropping quite a few players there like Edgar Barreto. I can't believe Sump gave him a contract extension until 2019. What were they thinking? He's a workhorse. Giampaolo needs technically skilled players but he was responsible for a few of the goals. That back four... Very disappointing. And Sylvester and Ferrari are usually good defenders. But, uh, yeah, also Gaston Ramirez, he's been good since coming back from England, but he just looks so inspiring in the last few weeks. So Giampaolo really needs to shake up that team because I saw very little fight, no defensive solidarity, and there was very little creativity. So, Vito, um, you mentioned Edgar Barreto and lack of fight there which is the one thing that you'd probably expect him to guarantee. And he went off injured when it was, what, 4-0, but he didn't actually look like he was injured. It looked like he just completely gave up on fighting for the cause. Uh, I'm sure that would have really gotten to you as a Sam fan because I was nearly getting annoyed at it as a neutral. Hmm. Well, I posted a tweet on Sampdoria's account on the Italian one, and I said that I didn't like the contract extension. He's, he's a fighter and he's an experienced midfielder, but he hasn't got the technique and he hasn't got the football brain. And in some system, you've got to have technique. You've got to have a football brain. But also there needs to be the fight too. It's like you've got to be the complete package essentially. And Barreto, I don't think he deserves to play ahead of Carol Linetti who was suspended. And I would give Valerio Verre more chances in midfield because, you know, sometimes I get frustrated and I don't want to turn this into some sort of politically incorrect debate, but Italy used to buy the best foreigners and that would improve the quality of Serie A. When I see an import like him not doing better than 
the local talent, I feel disappointed because I would rather see youth being given a chance. And uh, Barreto uh, has really frustrated me for two years and I'm close to breaking point with him. And to be honest, it's times like this where you should be grateful I'm in Melbourne, Australia still, that I haven't moved to Europe yet because I'm about to snap, especially with a liability like him. Yeah, I could see that. Um, you are moving. You do plan on moving to Europe in the next year or two anyway, so Edgar Barreto should probably want to leave not only Liguria but the whole of Italy and maybe mainland yes. Europe before then. Um, yeah. He's probably not the only one. Where does the blame lie for today then? Is it with Gianpaolo or is it with the players or somewhere between the two? Somewhere between the two. I think he's probably kept with this line up to maintain some sort of stability or consistency because like Sari, he's got his own system and he's got his own 11, so they're familiar with one another. But I do believe that a few players need to be dropped. Barreto, the obvious one. But Gaston Ramirez, I think, could do with a, a rest or a shake-up. And also the fullbacks have been disappointing. doesn't matter if it's Berezinski or Salah at right-back. They've been disappointing. Uh, the contract situation with Ivan Strunic has been disappointing because he was doing well and Nicola Murdo has struggled more often than not. So um, we'll just have to see how the season pans out. But I think... For the 2018-2019 season, uh, some have to identify some new fullbacks and find, obviously, ones that are of a much better quality and can stay for a few years because uh, the fullback positions are our real, real weakness. Yeah, well, to be fair to Samp, they have done quite well in recruiting young players in the last couple of years, and we've seen that mainly in attacking positions, but who knows, they might pull out some gems this summer and push on again next season but they are still eighth well i say eighth they dropped down to eighth we'll get to that they're still on 44 points with a serious shout of competing for the europa league and they do play kievo next so that's three points in the bag really um milan obviously beat kievo this weekend and they're back to winning ways after their europa league elimination and they're pretty much unstoppable in Serie A at the moment sonia andre silva was written off as a flop by some people ridiculously. Uh, but him and Cutrone look like they're a pretty decent strike partnership. Can you see these two playing together from the start regularly or are they kind of a, a duo that can only be compatible if Milan are desperately seeking a goal? I think right now it's the desperately seeking a goal, but I would hope that they're able to play from the beginning. They're fun to watch. They really feed well off of each other. And I really, really hate to do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway. They remind me of a Dinatali Sanchez duo. And this is your fault. Uh, all right, right, Sonia. All right, all right, all right. Hear me out, hear me out. Where you have sort of the leader that takes it on, but then you have that creative piece that brings it all together. That's the reason why they remind me of the duo. But um yeah, I really hope that they just work together and they train well together. And um, I was actually reading something, and I can't remember where it was from, but uh, about their training and how much fun that they have been having together. So I think if they keep kind of that mentality up, that they'll be able to kind of put a little bit more creativity up in the front, which is something that I personally like to see. So I'm really, really rooting for them. Nikola Kalinic was dropped. It's about three years too late that he was kicked out of the Serie A squad. Vito... 
Gattuso referred to something about him not training hard enough in the week, which I thought was curious because he said that if you don't train hard enough in the week, you'll be left at home at the weekends. But Gattuso, you did bring him on in the Europa League on Thursday. So there must have been, what, one training day at most where he didn't perform. Maybe a little bit harsh, but it's it's high time he's been given the boot or am I being a little bit harsh on poor Nicola? No, you're telling the truth. He should have been dropped ages ago. Out of all the transfers, he was probably the worst one out of the lot. Uh, I've been saying it for months on the pod, and I wrote it in one of my articles months ago. Andre Silva and Patrick Cutrone have to be trusted a lot more often because at least they're scoring. Uh, the Italians got to get out of their head that age is a number. At the end, quality is quality, and Kalinic does not provide that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Absolutely. We've, we have discussed Kalinic to death on this podcast, but I thought I was given a bit of ammunition this week. I'm not going to pass up the opportunity to stick the knife in there because he's terrible. Kat, I don't know if you have anything new to say about Milan, but I'm pretty bored of talking about them in recent <laughs> weeks. Can you, can you bring anything new to the table? No, I think no. But yeah, they were not so brilliant. They're getting the results they need, and so they're doing well. It was surprising that they had a good reaction after the Europa League uh, elimination. And yeah, I'm curious how they're going to arrive uh, to the derby so I don't know uh, the break probably will help them to, to work more but they I don't know they're still the same there's nothing to, to say more yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you guys in front of me and I'm, I'm trying to work out who's the most likely to say something mean and critical so Vito Doria I'm coming to you <laughs> Was it a serious sign of weakness that Milan lost to someone like Arsenal in the Europa League? Because they were, I, I don't care that they had the, the dive and the penalty 
which was definitely not a penalty, and things could have gone differently. Over two legs, they're beating 5-1 by Arsenal, who are a joke of a club when it comes to big matches. What do you think? Well, I was speaking to a former podcast contributor, Rajath Kumar, who is a Milan supporter, and he was angered at a tweet that they posted up on the Twitter page. So the AC Milan Italian Twitter page, not the Italian, the English one said, we go out of Europe with their heads held up high. To me, a comment like that is a sign of tolerating mediocrity. And with the money Milan's put in into this squad, and of course, the rich history they have in Europe, that is, uh, that is tolerating mediocrity. Okay, the rebuilding a team, and it is a young team, but Arsenal, they tend to self-destruct a lot in Europe. So 5-1, regardless if the refs were bad or not, that is very embarrassing. And I think we saw some shortcomings with that team. Uh, Donnarumma showed in a big game that he can be prone to errors, and that's disappointing because he's got the raw talent, but he's still got flaws to his game. And I just got to be honest and say that I think Milan should seriously consider selling Suzo. He's a good player, but since Gattuso's taken over, I think his one-dimensional play is... Uh, Becoming evident to see. Uh, there are comparisons with Iron Robin, but Iron Robin has been a fast player, a strong player, and he's technically better. So he can get those shots on, no worries, and score those beautiful goals. But Suzo is skinnier and he's slower than Robin, so he can't do the same thing. And I find him too predictable. So maybe in the next transfer window, they should sell him and find another winger who can probably have more dimensions to his game, has a bit more pace because... I think on the left side, Bonaventura is a top player. Then you've got Chalconoglu who's finally adapting to Serie A. So um, regardless of what some people think, I reckon they should cut their losses with Sosa because he's not going to win them trophies. You know what? I, I think there's something to that. He, he did brilliantly at Genoa before going to Milan. He did well at Milan when they were kind of a middling club. Now they're on the rise. His impact is fading somewhat. It would be interesting because they could probably get a decent sum of money for him if they do sell him this summer because, I don't know, his property might still be quite high. Messio, I'm coming to you. Uh, Vito reminded me of a question that I just need to find. Aaron Holland came in and asked, with all the speculation about Donnarumma leaving when he broke out, could there be a similar type of speculation about Catrone now and coming into this summer? I mean, that's kind of the beauty of Syria. There's always speculation on everything anytime, always. So yes, um, I think for two reasons, this is sort of the cynical in me, it gets a lot of hits. So a lot of newspapers like to sell wild stories, especially when it comes to the transfer window. And it also kind of puts the club in place um, to say that they have to make a decision and it forces their hand to sort of think about their own future, which is usually a good thing because it's planning of where they want to be and you know how certain players fit into their formation and fit into sort of their master plan of the season. So I think the rumors are good. I don't know if there's any truth to them, but I do think that those rumors will really force hands. Sorry, Vito, there's a campaign building in the comments for you to become president of Lega Serie A. I would give you my vote. Promise. I'm completely distracted. CM Fox thinks you'd be better as Sam president. I'm sure you'd be happy with that to get, to get that absolute madman out of your club. Oh, oh, look, uh, I think uh, the people in the comments, yeah, look, they both look enticing. 
um, yeah, I just got to talk to my old man if he can sort out, um, you know, the citizenship papers and also my Italian passport. Otherwise, I'm sure someone in the old country can get through all the bureaucratic mumbo-jumbo and make sure I'm there as soon as possible. But on a more serious note, more probable note, the only reason I'm not in Italy as yet is that I've got a good friend getting married and my sister getting married next year. So I think that's why the Italian people, especially those involved in Italian football, should be glad I'm in Australia for one more year. (laughs) Well, you'll be joining me and a lot of the Serie A team out in Italy when you do. Well, that's what I'm hoping for. Should be fun. Guys, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's not just me. Let's be honest. We've all been waiting for it. Verona nil, Atalanta 5. We're talking about them this week. You better believe it. It genuinely could have been more. It it should have been about 7. Papu should have had a hat-trick. And Sonia, Atalanta are going back to the Europa League. Um. I promise I will speak very highly of them, but uh, can I just read out a comment that I received while we're on a Verona? <laughs> I just would like to say that Kievo should quit Serie A after they were cheated. I will leave it up to you who that comment has come through, <laughs> but I was instructed to read that out on the pod. Um, that comment or something similar was posted in the, the live chat that's going up beside this, so... I think everyone knows who it was. He's, he's hiding behind the FIF account at the moment, but anyone that's listened to this podcast before knows he's responsible for that absolute corrupt comment. But we're talking about Atalanta, Sonia. Sorry, sorry. Yes, that was the question. I was distracted. All right, Kat, Atalanta, <laughs> how much do you love this club? Yeah, it's my favorite of all <laughs> no, I always said that he's, he's been one of my favorite this season, and especially for, for the mentality. And I'm happy of Papu if I'm the net again, and shame for the last post. Oh, God, it was amazing. And yeah, they're going great. Verona has done nothing, so I don't know, great work. And they're surprising, growing, and doing better and better in every game. I was a little bit hungry after the Juventus Atalanta and they didn't play really, really great. But well, they're going to fight for the Europa League spot. And that's a thing now. They need to believe it because I'm sure they can do it. Yeah. Someone said this to me on Twitter and it's completely true. And it's been true since they were demolished by Inter probably this time last year, it was last March, and they just kept going. They bounced back from the defeat and kept going. They got knocked out of the Coppa Italia. They got knocked out of the Europa League in pretty heartbreaking circumstances, but they've just kept going. They've brushed it aside. And now, Vito, I'm not sure if you agree, but looking at the table, they're in seventh place. Is it fair to say that you'd probably make them favourites now over Samp and Fiorentina to get seventh place come the end of the season? The momentum is certainly with uh, Atalanta at the moment. Um, yeah, so Torino, Fiorentina, uh, I don't think they got the consistency or the quality to get that final spot. Samp, as I've just addressed, are in crisis. And Atalanta, they definitely have the momentum, but in particular to see Ilicic scoring like he did, 
And also for Andrea Patania to return back to his form, again, he's not a traditional number nine. He plays that tactical role for Atalanta, but it was a return to the form that he was in last season. So I'm sure Gasparini and all the Atalanta faithful will be pleased to see that. And as I've said a number of times, I think he just needs to add goals to his game. Once he does that, he will be a more dangerous player, and I reckon Atalanta will be a more dangerous team. Yeah, Patania's a weird one because he doesn't really strike you as a as a striker, a centre-forward. He's almost like a defender who's just put into that position to bring the best out of Papu and Ilicic, and he does that role so well. Sonia, I'm going to list Atalanta's fixtures now. In this order, they play Udinese, Samp, Spal, Inter, Benevento, Torino, Genoa, Lazio, Milan, and Cagliari. You've got to make them favourites to kind of put together a decent enough run, aside from what maybe Inter, Milan... And Lazio, they could realistically win seven of their remaining, what, ten games? Keep going. You, you left out a team. <laughs> Next up is the easiest one, don't you worry. <laughs> um, I'm not going to make any more bets with any of the Italian members because that's coming back to haunt me on games. But, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, Connor, when I was your age, my team was in a very position <laughs> as your team is right now. And it's a wonderful feeling and it does not last. So, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to say it. I'm going to become an Atalanta fan for the rest of the season. There you go. You've already made a promise that you haven't fulfilled. You need to put a Kievo shirt into your Twitter profile ASAP to stop saying things that you can't guarantee because you're a Kievo fan. <laughs> Do you guys just disgust me when I'm not around and my dumb comments? <laughs> you make a lot of stupid comments. They help to fill conversations when you're not around. Um, right, guys, that's enough on Atalanta. They're obviously going back to Europe. Uh, I regret saying they'll beat Udinese because that usually means that they, they don't. Benevento lost against Cagliari 2-1. They're 1-0 up until the 90th minute. Lazio won each with Bologna. Torino lost 2-1 at home to Fiorentina. Roma beat Crotone away 2-0. And, of course, the miserable, the dire, and the useless Sassuolo came to Udine and left with all three points, which I put that on the running order. I just wrote Udinese 1, Sassuolo 2. Ha, 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 ha. Sonia, what has happened to Udinese? Because they were crap to start the season with, and then... Massimo Ado came in and they were brilliant for a while. Now they're just probably a little bit below average. I think below average is actually being very kind. But um, Fofana's goal was fantastic. Like, can, can we all just agree on that? Yeah, but you lost yes. against Sassuolo. So. Beautiful goal. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they're playing. That goal is gorgeous. I mean, it, honestly, I, I said this in the Slack chat. If he does not make team of the week, I'm going to quit. All right, yeah, but then Joseph Bilicic scored a better goal today. Amaro Akardi scored a better goal today. You know, so it's not even the best goal that's been scored this weekend. If he gets (laughs) into the Serie A team of the week on that basis, Vieira is never writing another thing for the website again. Aw. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think... I think we got too excited after Christmas when they were on the incline and they legitimately had a chance to hit a European spot. And now they're just, I think, honestly, they're replying, they're relying on Maxi Lopez way, way too much. And that is a sentence that no one should ever say ever. Um, 
Their midfield is not bad. It's actually a lot better than I've seen before. I think Barami has been a fantastic addition. And the... Uh, no? No? All right, whatever. Um, well, you're just I saying just, that because you love Fallon Barami. That is true. But no, I, he plays with a lot of heart. And I think ever since Sinatali left, that team has lost a lot of its heart. They've been through a ton of managerial changes after Bidalin has left as well. Um, another huge problem is that the Pazzo family is really focusing on their efforts in England with uh, Watford. So I think somebody needs to step up next up and kind of become that representative and become that leader that they're really, really lacking. And I'm hoping that actually Fofana becomes that sort of fan favorite player that leads them through a lot of things because they really are struggling to find an identity that they had built up so well like over the last... I don't know, around five years ago that they've completely demolished and squashed. And they have, you know, this beautiful stadium, the most incredible social media team for any Syria club. Seriously, like, check them out. They're fantastic. And yes, Connor? Uh, okay, no. wrap it up. Um, and they have all of the pieces put together except for the team, which to me is the most frustrating part. They can do well and just no one gives a damn, except for me I and my Zia. I won't have a bad word said about Maxi Lopez on this podcast without me moving things on as a result. I was going to give you another minute or two, but you've, you've bad-mouthed Maxi, and we're all team Maxi here at FIF. We're going to move on to the Italy squad then because we are going on longer than I expected, and we've been talking about clubs like Udinese and Sassuolo that nobody cares about. Right, Vito, no Balotelli. Buffon's in there, and Balotelli... <laughs> is there with Jerome Oblay and Cadrona, who are three of the exact same strikers. Are you a little bit annoyed with this Italy squad? Yeah, I am. Because I think the Azzurri squad needs a full revolution. And by selecting Buffon, uh, to me, it's a maintenance of the status quo. And it's like you're picking him for the sake of a farewell tour. If you needed a testimonial, they should have waited for the Netherlands friendly in June because at least that's at the Juventus Stadium. I think also there are players like Candreva and Parolo that don't really need to be in Azzurri anymore. Uh, Matteo Darmian is not in form or barely getting game time at Man United, so I don't see the point in his selection. But other than that, I am happy with Cutrone being the team because he's in form and he deserves to be there. And Lorenzo Pellegrini, Federico Chiesa, and Brian Cristante, I'm happy with him too. Not just to keep you happy, but I genuinely believe <laughs> those four players I mentioned, they're, they're the future of Italian football. They're the future of the Azzurri. They can provide Italy with a good eight to ten years of a court to build on. So those four, um, I'm glad to see them there. There are a few others that just aren't in the best form or they're not playing enough, like Rugani, Balotti, Spinazzola, but there is an upside with those guys. And even with Donnarumma, not in the best form, but they're part of the long-term future of Italy, so happy with them. And uh, uh, one more thing before I pass it on to someone else. Probably with Chiellini, he's a leader, a great defender, brings toughness and experience, but his body breaks. So I think he'd be a good mentor for this team. But again, he's not a guy that... Italy should be depending on. He should be more of an advisor on the field or in the locker room, but that's it. I just hope that regardless if DiBiagio gets the job full-time or not, that there's a dependence on him. Excuse me. Well, 
speaking personally, let's hope Di Biagio doesn't get the job full time and they can get someone else because he didn't even do that great of a job with the the underage team. Kat, you're the only full Italian on this podcast. <laughs> what are you actually looking to see from these friendlies? Because they're not going to the World Cup, so no, what's the I aim? I totally agree with Vito because also calling Buffon is totally no sense in my opinion now. And I think Di Biagio is doing with a sort of continuity to, but it's not the right time to do it. You are going to play two friendly matches and you, you could have also the, um, the opportunity to, to get an experiment with other players, with young players. You're not fighting for anything. So why not do it now? That's the thing. So I totally agree with Vito on that. And we'll see also. Um, we'll see in these two matches. Yeah, I'll probably go for at the Wembley Stadium to see England, Italy. And we'll see how they're going to play. It's important for, for the ranking. But, I mean, it's the time to, to give a new a refresh of of Italy in itself. Yeah, it's it's definitely the perfect opportunity to kind of just clear things out and start from scratch. Uh, Vito, I'm glad you mentioned Marco Parolo because I put on the winning order that Parolo needs to just go away, which I think kind of sums up my thoughts quite nicely because I don't really see what his point of existence is, really. Uh, we're, we're actually going to be opening a shop on com in the next probably tomorrow so do keep an eye on that we've got some beautiful stuff phone cases t-shirts hoodies hats whatever you want you can buy it with some beautiful footballers on it but other than that guys we've come to the end Sonia thank you for coming on and not talking about Sebastian Javinko. tell people where they can find your annoying MLS rants on social media yeah, I noticed you skipped the Italian national team question when it came to me, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, no, you can find me on social media on Twitter at Sonia Missio, where I do talk a lot about Udinese and TFC, so I apologize for that in advance. Yeah, I would recommend not following Sonia, to be honest. Uh, Kat, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter uh, as Katerina Mirra or on Facebook as well. Perfect. Vito Doria, do the same thing, please. Okay. Yep. Check my fan page at Vito Doria and then Instagram and Twitter at Vito C. Doria. I'm at Conjay Clancy on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook by finding my name. CM Fox wants to know if we'll be selling antidepressants in the store. Uh, no, because we're all happy over this side. CM Fox, you shouldn't support Talas Verona. They will do terrible things to you. All right, guys, um, that is it for this week. We'll be back. I don't know if we'll be back next week, but do keep an eye on the website because there will be things happening. We'll have people at the games, both of the international games. And, yeah, we can do reports and news and features and everything you need to keep up with Italian football, even when Serie A is taking a bit of a break. So, until next time, it's Jeff and
su corazón. Andiamo a vincere questo fantacalcio. Grazie Papu, grazie, 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 grazie. Non me ringraziare, vale con me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 